0: Warning, the following contains spoilers pertaining to the show and subject matter discussed. Also, strong language and adult content may be included. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you.
1: Come on, we're almost there. stop here. You can't tell me this is so bad. I mean, what could be better than working out in Central Park? It's absolutely gorgeous. Remind me again why we're doing this? Because we need it. Because it's good for us. And because I'm worried. You've been a little on edge, and I'm concerned you might be mad at me. So I figured we'd go work out. Because exercise gives you endorphins, and endorphins make you happy, and happy people just don't go around killing their husbands. You're not funny. <laughs> Come on, that was a pretty good one. You have to admit it. Do I, though? <sighs> Alright, <sighs> just one more lap, and then we can go home and change into something pink uh, and scent uh, it.
0: <laughs> You're not funny. Come on.
1: Sitting here
0: looking at Uh, that vendor makes me want a hot dog real bad! That's not even in the musical! Hi everyone and welcome to stage whisper i'm your host hope bird and with me is my co-host andrew cortez
1: today we are going to be discussing the fun and hilarious show legally blonde
0: so hurry and take your seats
1: it looks like the show is starting Hello everyone, and welcome into today's episode of Stage Whisper. Hopefully you are wearing something pink as you listen to this show, because today you're in for one L of a time. Today we are going to Harvard via Bel Air as we discuss the fabulous show, Legally Blonde.
0: For this one, you'll have to head back to the year 2007. The show is based on the novel, Legally Blonde, by Amanda Brown, and then the MGM motion picture, Legally Blonde.
1: To bring the show to the stage, an elite team was assembled. Sets by David Rockwell. Costumes by Greg Barnes. Hair by David Brian Brown. Makeup by Justin M. Brosnan. Sound design by Acme Sound Partners. And lights by Kenneth Posner.
0: The music and lyrics would be by Nell Benjamin and Lawrence O'Keefe. The book would be by Heather Hatch. And the show would be directed and choreographed by the great Jerry Mitchell.
1: The show arrived at the Palace Theater on April 29, 2007, where it would remain for over two years and 595 performances, closing on October 19, 2008.
0: While there, the show was nominated for seven Tony Awards. It did not chase away with any of those, but it did win a Clarence Durant Award for Most Promising Female Performer for Leslie Rodriguez Kritzer,
1: who played Serena. The show had a reality TV program on MTV where the premises was showing the audition process for the next Elle Woods. The show's finale aired the Broadway musical in its entirety and was filmed on September 18, 2007.
0: So, with that, let's keep it positive as we head into our story. The ladies of UCLA sorority Delta Nu are celebrating the expectant engagement of their sorority president, Elle Woods, to her boyfriend, Warner Huntington III, who is expected to propose that night.
1: Led by Margot, Serena, and Pillar, the girls help Elle find the perfect dress for the occasion. A saleswoman tries to sell Elle an out-of-season dress, but Elle, being the savvy fashionista she is, knows better.
0: That night, when Elle goes to dinner with Warner, she is floored when she thought he was going to propose and instead tells her that she, he needs to be with someone more serious to achieve his dream of winning a seat in the Senate, and he breaks up with her.
1: Elle, devastated, uh, stays in her room for days, but decides that she wants to become the serious woman Warner needs. So she makes up her mind that she will chase Warner to Harvard Law School to prove it
0: with the help from her Delta News sister, Kate, Elle studies for the LSATs. Instead of writing a personal essay to apply, however, Elle bursts into the Harvard admissions office backed by a squad of cheerleaders. She is accepted after revealing that she is motivated by love.
1: Having been granted acceptance to Harvard, L's highly achieved classmates disapprove of her attire and personality, and L finds the only person who is willing to help her is a law-teaching assistant named Emmett Forrest.
0: He, however, cannot protect her in class from the bloodthirsty professor, uh, Professor Callahan. Callahan kicks the underprepared L out of class at uh, at the suggestion of her classmate, Vivian Kensington. Elle also learns that Vivian is Warner's new girlfriend.
1: This tragedy summons the apparitions of the sisters of Delta Nu, who were acting as a Greek chorus, both visible and audible to Elle. They encourage her to stay positive.
0: Elle, believing that being blonde is the problem, decides to become a brunette. She heads to the Hair Affair Salon, where she meets stylist Paulette. Paulette counsels Elle that... All bad hair decisions are, are motivated by love. She then opens up to Elle about her dreams of meeting a handsome Irishman. Elle encourages her to not give up or downplay on her personal qualities.
1: At the salon, Vivian is discussing a party plan for next Friday. Unexpectedly gives Elle an invitation, telling her it's a costume party. Paulette sends Elle off with a costume for the party with lyrics of encouragement.
0: Elle walks into the party as a playboy bunny and realizes that she was tricked by Vivian as no one else is wearing a costume. Despite this, she seeks out Warner in an effort to win him back.
1: Warner and her relive the good days and when Elle thinks that she may have won him over, he realizes that he is still unimpressed. She runs away from the party only to run into Emmett, who struggles to understand Elle's love problems.
0: He tries to help L assess her priorities until she realizes that it is her obsession with Warner that is keeping her from earning his respect.
1: Freed from her need to please Warner, she defeats him in a classroom debate. Writing the confidence from class, L helps Paulette get her dog back from her ex-boyfriend Dewey by using legal jargon and demonstrates that she is beginning to understand law.
0: Along with Enid Hoops, Warner and Vivian see that they both have won a spot in Callahan's coveted internship position. Warner uses this time to propose to Vivian on the spot right in front of Elle. Vivian accepts with a kiss.
1: Elle is devastated, but Emmett shows her the internship list, revealing that Elle got an internship position as well. Elle realizes that she doesn't need a man to feel accepted in the world and that she needs to believe in herself.
0: Overjoyed, she celebrates, disses Warner, calls her mother to tell her the news, and eagerly anticipates the trial. End of Act 1.
1: Act 2 begins with fitness queen Brooke Windham and her fitness team's workout video, which is being viewed by Elle, Callahan, Emmett, Vivian, Warner, and Enid. Callahan tells the legal team that Brooke is accused of murdering her billionaire husband.
0: At the jail, the legal team is unable to get Brooke to tell them her alibi, and she refuses to plead guilty. Upon learning that they were both Delta Nu sisters, Brooke then privately tells Elle her alibi. She was getting liposuction at the time. If the public discovered this information, it it would destroy her fitness empire. She makes Elle promise
1: not to tell anyone. Because of Elle's loyalty to her client and refusal to state the alibi, Elle and consequently Emmett are shunned by the group. To cheer Emmett up and increase his chance of impressing Callahan, Elle gives him a makeover.
0: Back at the salon, Elle is getting a manicure when Kyle, a sexy UPS courier, walks into the salon to deliver a package to Paulette. Paulette is in in awe of Kyle, but her low self-confidence prevents her from making a move.
1: When he leaves... Pilar, Serena, and Margot are summoned by Paulette's amazing bend and snap when picking up a package. The sorority girls tell Paulette to use the bend and snap dance move on Kyle to turn him on, but instead Paulette breaks his nose.
0: At the trial, Brooke's pool boy, Nikos, claims to have been having an affair with Brooke, giving her motive for murdering her husband. After doing the bend and snap in front of Nikos and getting no response, Elle suspects that Nikos is gay, although Callahan and her teammates are not convinced.
1: Her colleagues insist that his perceived flamboyance might be just a cultural difference between Nico- uh, because Nikos is European. Emmett successfully makes Nikos slip and state that his boyfriend's name is Carlos, although Nikos claims that he misunderstood boyfriend for best friend. Carlos, fed up with his closeted boyfriend, outs him by proclaiming his sexuality to the entire court, stating that he is both gay and European.
0: Later that night in Callahan's office, the interns celebrate Elle's skill. Warner finds problems with calling a finely tuned awareness of homosexuality a legal victory. Callahan, annoyed with Warner's behavior, sends him out of the room to fetch coffee.
1: Callahan dismisses Emmett and the other interns, but requests Elle to remain for a few moments. Callahan forcibly kisses Elle, who slaps him. In turn, Callahan fires her. Warner and Vivian both see the kiss through the door of the room. Warner turns away in anger, leaving Vivian to be the only one to witness the slap.
0: After Callahan leaves, Warner re-enters the office and mocks Elle. But Vivian tells him to shut up, and they both leave. Defeated, Elle prepares to go home, despite Emmett asking her to stay, finally realizing that he loves her.
1: Elle heads to the hair affair to say goodbye to Paulette, but before she can leave, Vivian and Enid convince Elle otherwise. Elle discards her lawyerly navy suit and dons a pink dress and leads a parade back to the courtroom
0: they meet kyle on the way who has taken a liking to paulette and reveals himself to be irish prompting everyone to pretend to irish dance
1: back at the trial brooke fires callahan and hires l brooke's stepdaughter chutney goes to the witness stand and her testimony is damning stating that after she got out of the shower she saw brooke covered in her father's blood after chutney states that she received a perm the day of the murder, Elle realizes a flaw in Chutney's alibi and suggests that the entire courtroom be moved to the scene of the crime, the bathroom where the murder took place.
0: As a demonstration, Elle asks Paulette to give Enid a perm and asks Enid to step into the shower upon entering the crime scene. Relying on her knowledge of hair maintenance, Elle's demonstration is successful as Enid walks out of the shower with completely flattened hair, revealing that Chutney could not have possibly showered immediately after getting a perm because her perm was still, in fact, intact.
1: Under Elle's intense questioning, Chutney confesses that she killed her father, thinking it was Brooke. Chutney is arrested and Brooke is set free.
0: Warner then proposes to L, having been dumped by Vivian. Elle gently refuses, claiming to have been changed by the experience.
1: Three years later, Elle ends up as valedictorian of her class. Paulette tells the audience that Elle is not one to brag about her valedictorian status, so she decided to allow Paulette to play Where Are They Now during her speech.
0: Paulette says that Enid practices family law, Vivian is training for the Peace Corps, and Warner dropped out to pursue a modeling
1: career. Callahan ran for governor but was defeated, and his wife hired Emmett to handle their messy divorce. Paulette married Kyle, and they have two kids and is pregnant with a third. They live in Worcester, Massachusetts, and Paulette bought a new salon. At the end of the graduation, Elle proposes to Emmett, who happily accepts. The, the end. end.
0: Let's talk about it. Legally Blonde. I remember, just, I remember when I was in high school, when this show came out, I listened to the soundtrack for, like, two months straight, and I woke up every single day singing a different song from
1: it. So, this was one of the first, like, joke musicals that I kind of saw. Like, I remember being like, really? Legally Blonde? Like really it's a they made movie. they made no this sort a of, well no i i i agree but me just all of 17 18 years old and my naive naivety naivety foolishness ignorance youth um was like really guys we made we we've run out of source material that we're going with legally blonde and then having seen it i was like oh my god
0: oh no. my god Oh my god, you guys! No, you
1: need to stop. No, but no, really, I was just like, this is fantastic. Cause look, nobody out there can say Legally Blonde like they don't like Legally Blonde. That's like saying you don't like Easy A or Mean Girls or something. Like you're dead inside,
0: right? You
1: know. So to put it on stage, it's just like one of those feel good. It's like your 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 what's it called? Your your um. Those those dirty your your sinful delights or whatever.
0: Oh, um, your guilty pleasures. Guilty
1: pleasures. Legally Blonde is a total guilty pleasure. You and know, every,
0: it's a classic rom com that you would have to be soulless Look, to not when, enjoy.
1: When you're like one of those high theater people, where you're like, I have an MFA, blah, 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 and you're among like the theater elite, and we're discussing, you know, Chekhov and all of that. In reality, we're all just sitting there like, can we please talk about Legally Blonde? Oh my I God. mean, why I are we wanna... not
0: talking about Legally Blonde? I
1: just want to talk about I... how Elle Woods can run for president right now.
0: Well, you know, and here's the thing. Like, the story is that classic rom-com. But they still found a way to make
1: it new and interesting.
0: As well as, like, they included classic Greek chorus into it, it which is just
1: theater. brilliant. It was theater. That's the thing. is like They didn't just, like, take the film, put it on stage, and call it a day. They were like, we've got to... It, it was smart that they went the Greek theater route. Because mm-hmm. it was like hey we've got a I, I, don't, I don't want to say it was like pay homage but it was when they got together and they sorted this out it it elevated the story and the show up to that next level because sometimes when they bring a movie and they just put it up on the stage and it's just like cut and paste it doesn't work it's like yeah that worked on the screen just fine but likewise when a film when a musical goes from the stage to the screen sometimes it doesn't communicate well mm-hmm. Cat. um <laughs> You know, vice versa. So the fact that they thought this one through and that how do we incorporate some of these things to make sure that the story is consistent and this, there's a through line and we we can communicate some of these thoughts and feelings. Oh my gosh, we'll, we'll, we'll turn this into like a Greek play and we can still keep these characters that the audience is going to know and love like Serena and Margot and that mm-hmm. in the form of a Greek chorus. Well,
0: and one of the things about like the movie is... Um, you know, Elle could do no wrong. Like, Reese Witherspoon, like, there's just no... Elle has no flaws, flaws other than she loves Warner, which is, like, why? But in this show, they kind of had to show that she was flawed so that you'd fall in love with her all over again. Right. And so I think through using a Greek chorus, like, to make her seem like, I got I don't need any voices in my head today, you know, like, it just kind of goes to show that she went a little crazy... But, you know, she's coming back from it and using that, implementing that Greek chorus to be able to tell that tale. And there are just a lot of, like, classical Greek elements all Mm -hmm. throughout the whole musical, which I think is just fun. And as a theater lover, oh, sorry, as a theater lover and a huge fan of Legally Blonde, it was a perfect marriage.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the set. Yes. So one of the things, one of the first things that comes to mind is I remember... Walking in, and, and the, there's a scrim down, and it's that heart necklace that she's always wearing. The, the like, Tiffany's. quote,
0: Tiffany's. Yeah. And I
1: remember seeing that, and it's bright pink. And the thing about it is, in the palace, like, the whole theater was pink on the inside. And if you've ever... Hopefully the palace will reopen soon. I think it's stupid what they're doing, but what do I know? I guess we need more retail space in Times Square. But, um... Seeing the palace, just the inside pink, just the way they light the, the theater inside, I, it was gorgeous, you know. But I remember seeing that, and the first thought I had is, okay, I guess. And I was like, well, there's nothing more iconic than that. And then, you know, curtain goes up, and the first thing we see is this house. And, you know, having been down to UCLA, several times, it's totally that Pasadena sorority house. And I was like, all right, all right, this is clever. Okay, <laughs> keep going, keep feeding me. And the, the other thing to keep in mind is the palace stage is huge. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I look, most Broadway theaters, like the stages aren't like huge, huge, but like the palace stage is very wide. So, you know, you've got to fill that space and they didn't have these huge... Set pieces. Yeah. They had a few things that kind of, like, fill, like, set the stage, but then you kind of filled in the gaps from there. Yeah. And I love that. That they didn't have to have these huge, we're going to have these flats that block everything out. No, it was just simple, like, here's a flat, and there's these girls peeking out the windows.
0: Yeah, and we didn't have to make it realistic. No. It was just, like, you got the idea, we're at a sorority house. And it was beautiful.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Well, and just everything about this show, because, I mean, really... The show is very realistic because it's at Harvard, you know, and it has that feeling. But I think that, you know, not feeding us, like spoon feeding us these huge realistic sets. Let that playfulness come through that I think the show needed.
1: It played. It needed to play. It wasn't meant to be this groundbreaking art. It's meant to be fun. Yes. I also love their, when they're doing chip on uh, chip on your shoulder mm-hmm. and there's a calendar scene. The way that they depict the calendar changing, um, the, the calendar was clever, and the way they just use simple decorations to show mm-hmm. time passed. And I know that's something very simple, but in a lot of places, it's simple set decoration that allows us to see that time is passing. passed. Those little details are so important, because I, I admire those. It's one thing to just put up there like, you know, three months later. It's mm-hmm. a whole other thing just to add decor quickly to be like, yep, we've passed. Right, and the other big set thing that I loved was um, the court scene. Yes, I love when she bursts through the doors. You know, back in the place, back in the sun, walk the hell out of the You know, and there's the, and the doors. What's cool is it's almost like a comic book door. It's large,
0: uh-huh.
1: and you know, fires Callahan. We do all that thing. judges there, and then they adjourn to the court scene. Right, they go to the bathroom. We're on where our is way the way
0: to the scene of the crime. And where does the
1: judge sit? Where's the judge's thing? Um, It's the toilet. Okay. And I love that. That's a tongue-in-cheek joke. It's like, that's the throne. That's the judge's throne. And the fact that there's a... I'm assuming there's a working shower because the one thing that was interesting is, you know, Enid comes on with a perm, right? Permed hair, which, let's be real. Hair person, that's a wig, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Goes in the shower, comes out with wet hair. My question is, is the wig wet or is it her hair that gets wet? That's a working shower of some sort on stage Mm -mm. because she comes out with wet hair.
0: Mm -hmm. There's two people behind the shower curtain, one to do the wig change and the other to spray. Like, So they come out with a wet wig, put it on. And then spray it down to look uh, extra moist plus there are certain gels you can apply that make the hair look what? wet What?
1: <laughs> so that's not like a real working shower. They no, just there's like... no way.
0: No, no, no. No, there no.
1: No, get out of here! The
0: costume's not wet. There's no um, there's no water on the cape that she's wearing.
1: I just assumed they put like a cape around her and then
0: No, it's all a that's change.
1: Is, Oh my god, that's incri- this is why you should marry someone in the design and the theater guys. Like my mind is literally blown. See,
0: the thing I want to uh-huh. I want to talk about about the court scene in the bathroom because so I actually um, when when I was in cosmetology school, um, when we learned about perms, uh, we would watch the episode from the movie Legally Blonde. Um, you know, be like, "Oh yeah, haha, look, Elle knows her things about perms, so you need to know your things about perms." To you know, who knows? It could save your life one day. Um, you know, just you might be
1: in court one day. know right?
0: Like, well, just something silly to be like. Look, this stuff is important and it is serious, and you know, blah blah blah. But the other, so I always watched that scene when I was in school. So I always like to ask my class, well, how many of you guys have seen Legally Blonde the musical? What? There's a Legally Blonde the musical? Yes, there is. We're gonna watch my favorite scene from it. And oh. so I show them the clip of this scene from the show. That's so good. But this last time, because I literally just like a couple days ago with my students just watched um, watched this step, uh, this scene. And I want to know what kind of bathroom is laid out like that. Like...
1: A Broadway bathroom. Right. you have to show everyone. Because there's, like, a
0: step and a step up to the toilet. But there's not, like, a good place to, like, put your feet in front of you. So, like, how could you actually
1: poop Uh, on that? I'll tell you (laughs) what what, what bathrooms laid out like that. A European bathroom. Because considering, like, that shower we had in London where, like, the door didn't move. Like, there was no curtain. But it was, like, a half door. And I was, like, I don't understand that. But then there was, like, a huge step to get in the tub. And I was, like, this is how I die. How could you
0: poop with, like, your feet not... In I front don't of know, you. but I'm not
1: here to talk about poop. Okay, but move. before
0: we get into that, but the other thing is, is the <laughs> spot where Chutney sits. What is she sitting on? What lives there in the bathroom? Is it a bidet? Rich if so, people. why do you have to, like, take, like, four steps down just to sit Anyways, it had me... I watched the scene way too many times that I'm thinking too much about it.
1: <laughs> hair person's thinking about poop places. That's great. Listen, That's what we it's want. a toilet. I want to... Speaking of toilets and poop and... <laughs> I want to go talk about the costumes. Pink, 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 pink. It's a pink show. Like, let's be real. Sparkles. All the pink, all the sparkles. I, well, the thing I love is obviously her signature color is pink, but the costumer, it's not a one trick pony. It shades of pink. I was like, it's not a one pink pink.
0: show. (laughs) No.
1: No, you know, just all of her looks are different and unique, and they're all different shades of pink. We never see the same shade of pink twice kind of thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I can really appreciate because you've gone that extra mile to make sure, you know, it's 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 kind of like the rule of three. You never say the same thing more than three times. Mm-hmm. Um, that tearaway dress, particularly uh, that one mainly in the Oh My God, You Guys, when she's in the dress shop looking for it, I've always loved that quick change because this is before people – really caught on to how quick change happened and being a dresser like I remember seeing it being like oh oh friends it looks so amazing and yet it's so simple now tell me if I'm wrong this is 2007 so I don't think they're doing magnets quite yet with that are they oh
0: we've been doing magnets since the like okay
1: but no that dress is it magnets or is it a tearaway?
0: I'm sure it's magnets okay. and a tear away
1: well cause here's the thing I don't remember. Is she wearing it underneath, or do they put it on over? I think they put it on over, and it just—they say it if you if YouTube the MTV version, they explain it, but it's a lot simpler than most people give it because they surround her, and boom, it's a quick change, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, it's amazing!" I'm like, "Well, kind of." It's like anytime you see someone do a wearing a tux at like a Tony Award or something, it's not a real tux. Um, if they're performing, it's not a real tux. Oh, yeah, if they're
0: performing, yeah. If they're
1: presenting, it's a real tux. So, like, the opening number of the Tonys, nine times out of ten, that's not a real tuxedo they're performing in. That's a quick rig tuxedo. And then after the opening number, they'll change and actually get a real tuxedo so that they can do whatever they need to do. But that tearaway dress thing, that was cool. The UPS guy outfit...
0: Those Can shorts. we talk about
1: the package? I've got a package for you. And I'm like, I mm-hmm. bet you do. That's, yeah. Yeah, those shorts. Andy Carl wears those shorts well. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. Well, and then, you know, I I, I will say I, I thoroughly enjoy the hair because it's not campy 90s, which was one of my biggest frustrations with the movie. Um, like, Elle's hair wasn't the best, but in the musical, mm-hmm. Elle's hair is gorgeous. And to be oh. able to
1: make... Well, okay. Now, hang on a second. I'm going to sound ignorant. But to be able to maintain those looks under the lights and the humidity. And I know that sounds like not a big deal, but I, they just had this, like, quafting to it. You know what I mean? It <laughs> never looked frazzled or frizzled, but they had just enough bounce where it needed to be. And... And appreciating your your, <laughs> your art, seeing the work you guys put into it, I know that heat and humidity are your enemies, you know. You are Mother Nature with, with Mr. Fire and Mr. Ice, you know. And the fact that throughout the entire show, they maintained it because all the women are wigged, right?
0: I'd have to look at the pictures because it could be either direction. But all I want to say is the key to that is the power of a excellent blowout and good use of product.
1: I, I'm almost gonna. I'm gonna guarantee that L was wigged.
0: I'd have to look at the pictures. I mean, I wouldn't put it past.
1: I feel like that's a good guess. I think the only person I w- don't think would be wigged would be Vivian.
0: Mm, it's hard to say. It's so hard to say. I'd have to look at. Photos.
1: Know your things. No, I'm kidding. Right. But
0: I mean, you know, but those styles are, I mean, either way, they're still human hair wigs. Oh, yeah. They are human wigs. And to get that style, listen, there's no magic trick. It just comes from good work and understanding the side bonds of the hair structure.
1: And (laughs) moving on from the hair just for a minute, I want to talk back to the chip on your shoulder, changing the seasons and that. We talked about how they, you know, quickly change the set to show the passing of time. Well, the Greek chorus is doing that and the Greek chorus always had this unique costume to go with it. Mm
0: -hmm. Like when they changed
1: it to December, they all had these Santa hats, but one of them also was dressed up like a reindeer. Kinda doing that thing. And I was just like, Someone spent time designing this one outfit for five seconds of showtime. Like Mm -hmm. amazing. The eye of detail. Yep. The (laughs) eye of detail. Like uh, that again, this just tells you how at uh, the level of performance that this show was being done at the fact that, that these details were just sought at a level of 10 like that brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, with the lights, I love the rock show kind of feel to it.
0: Yeah, but it was like pink rock show. yeah you know like not pink the singer rock show, but like pink the color rock show.
1: The thing that really, like, stood out to me that I remember is, you know, we talked about the Greek storytelling, right? Uh Uh-huh. And the fact that she could have those conversations with herself and the lights lent itself to kind of emphasize it, to allow her to have those soliloquy moments where, you know, she'd be in the middle of a scene, something would happen, and the lights could freeze, dim on the back, you know, on the entire scene, but these special spots on her and she could you know, what about love? And then there'd be that Greek chorus pop up and have that, and they'd be lit in a different color. Everybody else is still frozen. We're having a scene within a scene. But, you know, Mm -hmm. there's real storytelling being done by the lighting, you know? And I'm not saying that it's not in other shows, but, like, to me, the storytelling was almost, or the lights were almost a character in the show.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Which
1: I really appreciated.
0: Definitely. Well, and, you know, just all I can think of is every time you start saying any part of the show... All I can think of is just the little clips of music you into The music is right so
1: infectious. There. In fact, when we're done with this, I know we're going to be singing the show all freaking weekend. I mean... I'm going to go to work tomorrow, and I'm going to just be sitting there...
0: Wait, singing. hold
1: on, she just won
0: the case.
1: It's very poppy, <laughs> it's very memorable, it just gets in your head and it stays in there. There's so many upbeat songs, but then you've got some heartfelt ballads. Oh,
0: when Elle is singing the Legally Blonde... Um, the, the one after the she gets sexually yes. harassed.
1: Yes. Just let me be. Yes. And uh. Warner's on... Or not Warner. Emmett's on the other side. Uh-huh. Uh Oh, it, it breaks your heart. It musters similar feelings, like, to the movie, you know? Yeah. Like, you really... And and I know that, that sometimes it's taboo to compare the musical to a movie. But really, like, the movie was such a success and is still so popular for a reason. You really it's almost like underscoring. It's really good in that way. And I will go to the grave saying that if I, one of my favorite um, Tony Award speeches was by Jerry Herman when he won for uh, La Cage Fall. Mm-hmm. And he got up and he gave his Tony acceptance speech and he says, there's been a rumor going around that the simple, humble show tune is dead. Well, it's alive and well at the palace. This is a show that when you hear the music, it gets in your head, and it just implants itself there, mm-hmm. and it's going to live there forever, and that's the mark of really good music to me. I can't tell you how many shows I've seen where, like, it might have been a good show, let's say, but I can't put my finger on, like, the music, and then I go back, I listen, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, that was good music, mm-hmm. and then it's gone, and then if someone's like, well, do you remember, what's the song from that show? I'm like... But if you ask me something from Legally Blonde, I'm like, which a- one would you like? Almost every
0: single song gets stuck in my head. Like, I I mean, you know, I can't go a moment without hearing. Like, I can't go more than a month without someone saying something that triggers my brain to start singing "Illegally Blonde." Right. I mean, listen, I've done it a couple times already in this podcast where Andrew's like, oh my God, you guys. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, you guys. And to Anyways. go with the music. <laughs> I can't help it.
1: It, The choreography. It yes. was clever. And for the time, it was modern, incorporating modern gestures and moves. And I sound like an old man. You, know, you it do. It was hip. It was happening. I mean, this was
0: way all the way back in 2000. Listen,
1: given COVID, it feels like it was a thousand years ago. Okay? That's fair. The jump rope scene yes. was really Flip cool. into
0: shape.
1: Was really cool, um, you know. But that's the that's the genius of Jerry Mitchell, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I as the more I see of Jerry Mitchell, the more I'm like it's it's like Fosse, or um, oh, we just talked about him in a chorus line, Michael Bennett. You just you know their his style. You mm-hmm. immediately see it, and you're like, hmm. You know, Jerry Mitchell, obviously he uh, did Kinky Boots Mm -hmm. and that, that, that's the first one as I was put, putting this together with you uh, and I came across his name and I was like, oh yeah, he did Legally Blonde. Oh, he did Kinky Boots. Ah, like I was like, oh my God. Okay, Cool. Um, right. Well,
0: like, I love the way that they the scene shifts from when they're on the way to the scene of the crime. Yeah. You know, and the way that, like, they're not even, like, moving, but they're doing that cute little, like, cheerleader. Like,
1: it's almost like the Lame Is March, but in cheerleader form.
0: Kind of, yeah. But, the, yeah, and they're not moving at all, but
1: the whole scene shifts. I love the what you want with the drumline and the cheerleaders and that when they come in. Um, you know, she didn't even send in a, uh, oh, what a shame. She didn't send in a. A Uh, personal essay. essay.
0: Here's your personal... How's
1: this for a personal essay? She comes in (laughs) with the, you know, movement. What is it? You can't just come in here with marching bands and ethnic movement. You know, Oh, it's great. Look, it's supposed to be silly and fun, but they're still using choreography at its highest level. And I love Mm. that. And going with that, because Jerry Mitchell not only choreographed it, he directed it. He took this iconic film, this cult classic, if you will. We didn't know it was a cult classic then, in my opinion. But it is but now. now. Yeah. It's,
0: it's reached that, that and status. And he brought
1: it to the stage, and he made it a legit piece of theater. It's brilliant. All of the characters in the show go on a journey. Right. And even if it's not, you know, a, a, a complete, like, self-discovery, oh, I know my existence... No, we still see a through line. We still see a, a human experience. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the longer time goes on, the more I think we connect with a different character mm-hmm. with that human experience.
0: Some notable cast members in the show include Laura Bell Bundy, Elle Woods, Christian Borle, Emmett Forrest, Orfe, Paulette, Michael Rupert, Callahan. Annalie Ashford, Margo. April Berry, Christine and Ensemble. Andy Carl, several roles, including Dewey and Kyle. And Leslie Rodriguez-Krutzer as Serena.
1: Let's now talk about the show and the impact it's had on the theater and its history. Listen, theatrically, uh, for its impact, it uh, it's another fun and fantastic show for audiences, you know? <laughs> um, I think it's great. I, I, I think it's...
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we, I... we
1: talked about this in the beginning. This wasn't supposed to be a deep art show. I think that this show is just fun.
0: Well, and I think that that's its impact. I don't think it made much of an impact on Broadway or on the Broadway audience, but I think, I mean, it made an impact on me. And isn't that what all theater is supposed to do is make an impact on me?
1: It provided an (laughs) escape to audiences at a turbulent time. Again, this is another show in 2007, which, I mean, it wasn't, it's weird to say, you know, turbulent time back then, considering what we're going through now. But, you know, 2007 was heading into an election, going into a recession, you know, war. We had all this craziness going on. Yeah, we needed an escape. And this is one of those shows that not only gave us an escape, but gave us a feel-good feeling, really empowered us. And with the MTV production thing they did, it opened up, people's eyes to the struggles and hardships of putting on and auditioning for a broadway show yeah which i think leads me to the next point of societal impact this was the first broadway show on mtv yes which was a huge deal because kind of like disney was a lifeline in the 90s bringing families in that in the 2000s this really provided a lifeline to broadway and that it opened up a whole another generation to the theater. It brought the modern MTV generation to the theater. When I say modern, I'm talking about the early 2000s. The hip-hop MTV generation. Because Rent brought the rock and roll Madonna, Michael Jackson MTV generation. I can't think of a show that brought in the, I'll say the hip-hop MTV generation. In the Heights was the first hip-hop musical and not even that in my opinion it wasn't the first what would you say the first you can d- don't say the music man no oh, wh- what
0: was the tupac shakur one
1: that came after in the heights thank you it did yes it did
0: oh wow my ears are just molding together yeah
1: no uh holler if you hear me came
0: that's what it's called holler if, if you, you hear me, me came
1: after in the heights but before hamilton in the heights is the first successful uh hip-hop musical on broadway and even that didn't really Flood the gates with.
0: No, it took a long time to get there. Yeah. Well, and I think that I mean this. You got to remember, with MTV at this time, they were still playing music videos regularly.
1: Uh, and, I mean they're starting to phase it out. This they was, were
0: This is when they started. This is the Jersey
1: Shore time. This is after we don't have much TRL. We don't have, say what karaoke. You know, this is more the. 16 and pregnant BS kind of this stuff. This is
0: about that same time and they were like trying to incorporate... More which,
1: reality TV.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I think this is where like...
1: This is when MTV became really bad.
0: <laughs> right. Well, because I mean, I remember watching MTV for the music videos Like, and yeah. I'm not that old. Thank you very much, good sir. I'm
1: not that so <laughs> old. I'm old. You're not old.
0: <laughs> but you know what I mean? I just... I, I definitely do see that, that societal impact but I think the other societal impact is... Um, I mean, listen. How many musicals do you know where the uh leading actress proposes to a man?
1: Well, I going to say it. This is a show that empowers women. This is, I mean, we've got a lot of shows where women are the leading roles and everything like that. But this is really, and even now, a show that's really about. I don't need a man. I can do whatever I want as a woman because I'm a woman. It really is a positive message, I mean, even it, I all the way the, back then. I think the
0: show says basically, you know, like Elle's life, what she thought was great, what she thought when she was working towards, you know, landing Warner and setting her life aside for Warner. And her life was super hard while she went to Harvard to try to please Warner. And then the second she started living her life for herself, everything started getting better. And she became less of a character. And became a real person.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that it provided a... Something that girls everywhere can look up to and aspire to be. A strong female person that... I also love the idea that she should be admired and desired for her brains, her smarts and that. Not for her looks. Not because she's a blonde beauty. But because she's smart and she's, you know... Uh, witty and she's brilliant and she you know there's more to her than looks you know i think that's a really important message we should be teaching our daughters that you don't have to just look pretty to be successful in this world you should invest in your thoughts and your minds and what you do with that as well you should do good with that as well because vivian's also smart and she's pretty. Yeah, but, but does she says... use her power for good? Not until kind of the second act. Mm-hmm. I also really, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I really want to say this. I love the women lifting up women message yes. that comes. Where Vivian sees the sexual harassment that happens. And when Warner pokes fun at her, uh, at Elle, Vivian, I mean, it's a she great shuts line. Down. She She says, shut up, Warner. You know, just put it down, and then Vivian is on Team L and does everything she can not only to comfort her but raise her up and empower her. And I love that because that was a message and an idea way ahead of its time. It should have been amplified then. It damn well should be amplified now. I love the message, powerful women empower women. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that.
0: Well, and I mean, this show is not without its, like, uh... (laughs) problematic areas when it comes to, you know, feminism in the whole. But as a whole, it's a positive message that's really important.
1: Which leads us to our next point of, is the show relevant?
0: Always. Uh, Legally Blonde is always uh, relevant.
1: <laughs> well, and I'm going to... Yes, yes, yes. Usually I'm I, in the last few episodes I've been like, yes, and Xanadu, yes. I, yes, now more than ever, we need an escape show, number one. We need an escape show. We need a fun, go-to-the-theater for two hours and just leave the world behind. But second of all, we need a strong female character on stage now more than ever. We need... I mean, we got a female vice president. More women are, are really kind of coming on their own. It's time It's time we start recognizing that women are equal to men. It's long past time. We need strong female characters depicted on stage. Like, we need... Strong characters of color and whatnot depicted on stage. We need a generation of theater goers to start seeing that. And I don't see Elle Woods and this show as a ditzy blonde, fla, la, 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 la. I genuinely see this as a strong, empowering role. Mm -hmm. I don't see this as kind of the I need a man or, or, you know what I mean, kind of character from the past. Mm -hmm. She really is a modern, strong feminist. In well, all the right way character that I think could be a role model.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that I do love about this show is um, the music and lyrics, the team was a male and a female, and the book writer was a female. And so the fact that you have you know women writing for women makes all of the characters way more believable, especially considering most of the
1: cast is female. It really comes across different. I'm just saying. You can right. tell. Like, it's like, real. It's, yeah. It,
0: I mean... Listen, I'm not here to knock on other shows, but there are some shows out there that were obviously written by men, and the female characters are just unrealistic. Like, women don't talk the way that they have written them out to talk that way. And so that's what I love about Legally Blonde is we can still have all these varying degrees of female roles, and they're all realistic, and their speech is all realistic.
1: And the other thing I want to say is, you know, though Legally Blonde technically was a flop on Broadway... Right? Mm-hmm. What's interesting is this is one of the few shows that may not have been a huge success on Broadway, but then all of a sudden it has grown to be a success elsewhere, regionally, on tour. Huge success on tour. Huge success in, on Britain. On Britain. In Britain. On um, Britain. On oh, Britain. Around sorry. the world. It's a huge <laughs> cultural phenomenon that I'm like, I would wager if you got in a room enough producers who would be willing to take the risk to put this show on right now, it would be a huge success now. It was one of those shows, I think, then, that wasn't... Nobody knew what to make of it quite yet. It might have been maybe a little before its time or what have you, but now people have seen it for what it's worth and it's like, oh yeah, I would totally... I would go see Legally Blonde. I would buy a plane ticket, go see Legally Blonde right now. It's one of those shows that we look back and go, it wasn't successful the first time, but the second time, boom.
0: Right, well and I think that it, it's kind of it's got this two things working against it, that one, it was ahead of its time, but two, it helped pave the way for stuff to come out along with it. I mean, you know, this is also um similar timing as Xanadu and you know Spring Awakening. And Spring Awakening And, and the before came out. well and before other you know, movie to musical stuff was all very, done very classically. And this is the first time that we really took it.
1: I I would say it was one of the first modern cult classic movies to be done. Because yes. we'd have done, there would have been other movies.
0: Yeah, I said that. But yeah. But the, the thing is, is it took something that wasn't like a Mel Brooks classic or like a film that was like, you know, had been around for a couple years, and then we made it into it. It was like, Legally Blonde came out, and someone's like, yeah, we need to make this into a story. And it hadn't been out for that long before it became a musical. That's
1: fair. Yeah, I I agree with that.
0: Finally, as promised, we want to share some of our own personal stories about experiencing this show.
1: So I saw the show twice, uh, once back in 2008 on Broadway and then once in 2010 in Salt Lake City at the Capitol Theater.
0: And I have seen it once at the Capitol Theater.
1: This is actually going to be kind of a short segment for me because I've really talked about most of my memories with the show and discussing the show itself. I just remember, like I said, I, I, I went into seeing the show with the mindset of, I want to see the train wreck that is legally blonde and, um, uh, going in, seeing the pink theater, seeing the necklace on the scrim and then just being completely blown away. I saw the show with my friend Watson on this 2008 trip we took and, um, yeah, we were just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And I remember coming back and actually telling you, actually, I remember calling you and telling you, this is such a fantastic show. Like, this is well, an amazing and show. And you got
0: me a t-shirt from the show. I did. That turned into one of my favorite t-shirts that now permanently lives with Andrea because it's one of her favorite t-shirts. Your best friend.
1: Yep, yep. <laughs> and, so. um, but yeah, and then I remember doing the stage show afterwards and that's the first time I got to meet Christian Borrell, mm-hmm. um... Yeah, and and, you know, the rest of the cast, who I just, I'm drawing a blank, I'm sure when we go back and we post some of the photos, I'll be like, oh yeah, I met them, and them, and them, but I do remember meeting Christian Burrell, and he was so nice, and I also remember his hair being so quaffy, and perfectly curled, and that humidity, Um, but it was, it was such a fun show, it was so great, and then, when they announced the tour was coming to Salt Lake, I remember being like, hey, Hope, we're going to go see this, and you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. Well, and it was. I, well,
0: I wanted to see it so bad ever since um, you told me about it. I started listening to the soundtrack, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm obsessed with this. Yep. And I, like I said, I listen to it all the time. And honestly, I think that one of the things that could make this show very successful is we have a better understanding of, like, merchandise. Um, from the theater. Cause I, there were so many things from that show that I was like, why didn't they capitalize on merchandise from this show? Hey, You know, so.
1: And, you know, I, I also am happy to say that um, that tour that we saw also performed at the Tonys, I think the year we saw it or the year before when they were recognizing national tours, um, they, did a, they performed the end of um, So Much Better, Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my gosh, we have just seen that. So that was really, really cool. Um, you know, one more thing I want to make note of when I was researching this. I don't know if it was the University of Utah or if it really was Pioneer Theater. But one of them was supposed to do Legally Blonde uh, in May. And it, it was canceled. I think it was supposed to be the University of Utah. I don't know. That remember. was supposed to be Because it just said the the Sims Memorial Pioneer Theater. But I know that in the basement, that's where the University of Utah has performing theater so i think it was supposed to be the university of utah but it was supposed to be recently done here i'm wondering if they're gonna try again maybe for next year because you know this covid party someone needs to just click on and off the lights and let it know it's time to go home you know seriously (laughs) everyone out there please do your part let's end this together as things begin to return to normal and the theater world starts to turn its lights back on we look forward to returning to see this show again
0: I really hope you'll be able to catch Legally Blonde at a theater near you. And I really hope that I'll be able to catch Legally Blonde at a theater near me
1: soon. (laughs) We just want to take this moment again to remind all of our listeners to continue to help foster the performing arts wherever they are. As venues across the country and around the world continue to reopen.
0: Please join us in doing your part to help the arts return by supporting a live performance near you.
1: We would also like to close out our show by giving a shout out to a few of our listeners out there. So to our friends in the Dallas, Texas area and in the Atlanta, Georgia area, we want to say hello or howdy and a big thank you to you. (laughs) So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Hope Bird. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones.
0: Unwrap your candies.
1: And keep talking about the theater.
0: In a stage whisper. Thank you. you like what you hear please leave a five-star review like and subscribe
1: you can also find us on facebook instagram and twitter at stage whisper pod
0: and feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stage at gmail.com
1: our theme song is fox by music for wildlife other music on this episode provided by the copy cuts jazz art, music for wildlife BJ Block and Don Pemberton and Billy Murray.